Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Tuesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Now, normally this is the part where I tell you that I'm rocking with the decade-long veteran Arthur Motes and that I'm the goofy-haired broadcast school media guy who's better known for playing pond hockey and smoking meats. But we're switching it up a little bit today. A little curveball, all right? Arthur Motes is out of town on a little uh, little vacation, if you will, a little, uh, little day trip here. So he's out for the day, and sliding in is a, a name and a voice that you all should be familiar with. Normally, he sits upstairs, you know, in the big studio, but he's joining, joining us plebes down here today. Adam Crowley with me, and Yin's already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime here over the next two hours you can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at underscore Adam Crowley. And I guess that's the part, Crowley, where you go, Adam Crowley or something, you know, where Moats would normally say, the body. Dad body. <laughs> hey, there we go. Now we're talking. And listen, I, you know, I, I should have told you this. I mean, Moats is kind of the, uh, the brains of this operation, you know, Moats kind of carries this outfit here. So I knew that. You know, I, I hope you just, I hope you brought your work boots today. I hope you're ready to go. I just want to talk about sports. I've been talking about sports adjacent things for the last week and a half. I think meaningfully so on my show. But I just want to talk about football. I want to talk about the Steelers. I want to talk about the division. I don't know what you got planned. I mean, you sprung this on me. I didn't even know I was going to be doing this today. Motsy, the guy thinks he could just take off whenever he wants. And it's because he can. <laughs> so I'm here, and let's do it, man. I'm excited. I miss you. Kisses. I know. This is fun. You know, we were doing the uh, the draft show for, what, a little over two weeks? Yeah. And in some ways, that feels like it was just like two weeks ago. In other ways, it feels like it was two years ago with everything going on. But you're right. Let's, uh, let's escape from that here for the next two hours, Crowley. Talk a little football. Here's what I want to know from you. We saw it last week, right? Uh NFL coaches back in the building. Mike Tomlin and Boy Crowley, I mean, did he look good? I know you've been working out during this quarantine. <laughs> Mike Tomlin looked like he'd been doing some push-ups and some sit-ups, too. Uh, dressing in all black, rolling into the Steelers' facility, looking for revenge. With the lack of rookie minicamp, lack of OTAs, lack of minicamp, and even dating back to the NFL draft, just real lack of time that the coaching staff, the scouts, everybody has had to spend together. In your mind, what do you think is, is Mike Tomlin now finally gets a chance to hands-on in the facility, sit down with coaches, guys like Matt Canada who are new to the coaching staff? What do you think as we sit here right now, you know, just a few days later, is priority number one down on the south side at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex? I think from a COVID-19 standpoint, you continue to wait for guidelines from the National Football League. And we found out yesterday that there are a couple of more social distancing things that are having to be enacted in training camp. And there might be even a mini camp that leads into training camp. I know we're going to get to that later on in the program. So that stuff I'd kind of let play out and you just sort of roll with it. I think mentioning Matt Canada is important because I think you have to, if you're Mike Tomlin, have 
given a lot of homework. Hmm. And, okay, Matt, what do you think you can add to this offense? You do a lot of self-scouting. What did we see from last year? We weren't very good in the red zone. We weren't very good in short yardage. What do you think we can do to be better in those areas? And I think you give each coach a couple of different things that they need to look at to improve Hmm. their unit. And then whenever you come in, you can start talking it over as an entire staff. Maybe then you start putting things together to put out to the players, hey, here are our points of emphasis for the 2020 season. I think you go from there. I think the COVID-19 stuff, the logistics of all that, you kind of figure that out as it goes. But you assume you're going to play football. And if you do, there's things you got to get better at. I think that's the direction they should go. We talk a lot about around draft time always we get into these conversations how it feels like the Steelers have a bit of a natural advantage over some in the sense that yeah obviously the the ownership the the Rooney family has been has been consistent for I mean almost a a decade almost a decade at this point um but Kevin Colbert two decades with the organization Mike Tomlin a decade and a half with the organization and you even go further down the list than that, right? A lot of the scouts, Brandon Hunt, a lot of those guys have more than 10 years experience. They've all been working together for so long. We think that continuity really helps the Steelers in general. With a season like this, Adam, where, again, all those offseason programs that I just mentioned were washed, you do have some new moving parts, obviously, with the coaching staff. But in terms of a roster, very veteran-laden group that's worked together for a long time. And, yes, you bring in rookies you don't have a ton of you know free agent offseason signings, things like that. Not as many moving parts, right, as potentially as other organizations, particularly ones who are starting with new head coaches. With everything that's transpired, right, again, rookie minicamp canceled, minicamp, OTAs, training camp is going to look different. Is that maybe easier for an organization like the Steelers to, to stomach, to get through to the other side, to push through just again because of all that continuity? Or do you think, it could still be just as much a challenge for them as anybody else. It'll be a challenge, but I think it'll be less of a challenge for the Steelers than a team like the Browns. How much time has Alex Van Pelt, the coordinator (laughs) of the Browns offense, been in a room with Kevin Stefanski, the head coach? I mean, you don't think of it like that because there's a million different things going on and we're all very Steelers focused around these parts, but how much of the offensive coordinator and the coach of the Browns hung out before, right? How acquainted is the staff? uh, Probably a a few times over Zoom and that's it. Well, more than a few times, a lot of times over Zoom, but that's it. But how many times has the offense hung out with the offensive coordinator in a room for real? I mean, how well do you actually know this person? It's different here in Pittsburgh. You've had Randy Feetner here for a couple of years uh, as the offensive coordinator, longer as the quarterback's coach. You've had Keith Butler here forever, it feels like, whether he was the linebacker's coach or now the defensive coordinator. Mike Tomlin's been here since 2007. You know who you got, and you know what they bring, and you know what the mindset is. And the Steelers, I think, have a pretty good leadership structure, too. There's a Mm -hmm. couple of those offensive linemen guys you go to if you need to have a conversation with a leader on defense. You're going to turn to guys like Cam Hayward, who is a leader. Joe Hayden, who I think is a leader, maybe more by example, but he's one of those guys. With the Browns, what have they won 
When's the last time they had a winning season? It was 2007. The last uh, that so you and Mike I were still Tom in high was school. a coach for one year, <laughs> right? We were still in in flipping high school for goodness sake. So that's the Browns, the Bengals. They're in the second year. Their head coach. They've got a rookie quarterback. They've got a whole bunch of moving parts. The Browns and the Steelers in the division, they set themselves apart. I think they're very similar in what they've got going for them. You mean the Ravens and the Steelers? Yes, yes, excuse me. The Ravens and the Steelers, they've got similarities. Those other two teams are definitely behind. And if you look across the NFL, I mean, even if you hired Mike McCarthy for the Dallas Cowboys, everyone knows who Mike McCarthy is. But have you met him? Have you spent time with him? Right. Uh, do you know what his scheme is? Do you know what his philosophies are? Yeah, I think the Steelers have an advantage. How 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 big of an advantage? Not sure. Remains to be seen. Right. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good call by you. I like how you mentioned the Mike McCarthy example. That's a really good one. Where there haven't been a ton of moving parts on that offense, right? Mm-hmm. Dak's been there for a while. Zeke's been there for a while. Now Amari Cooper's ingrained in that offense. That offensive line it feels like they've been together since we were in high school in 2007. All that time we're talking about. But yeah, you're trying to install a brand new scheme. That's why, too. Like, man, if the worst, you talk about the worst offseason for Tom Brady to pick to move from New England to move yeah. on in his career. I I don't know how that's. I know he's sneaking into people's houses trying to meet with Byron Leftwich to get some type of an advantage. But I I don't know how that's going to work. Installing a completely new offense down there, and again. It's one thing when you and I are saying this. Moats has been saying this for a month now. A guy who actually played. Everything in the NFL is a process to build upon each other, right? Yeah. From from OTAs, you're working on ABC. And then at minicamp, you take ABC and you build it into DEF, right? And then at training camp, then you take all those letters and you get up to X, Y, and Z by the time you're in the preseason. All of that plays into, one, just the learning element of new parts, new players, new coaching staff, some new things they're going to try and do. And then the health standpoint of it, too, Adam, of just getting your body ready. That's the biggest thing. We saw this in 2011 when the lockout shortened the offseason programs. How many significant injuries there were in the NFL that season? We've seen this with the NBA and the NHL, too, when they've had their lockouts. Always more injuries the following season. I'm worried that's going to be a big thing with this, too, and why they're going to try and instate some kind of maybe a two-week program ahead of training camp. You gotta you, you can't just go play football. You gotta get your body worked up and, and ready to that point. And and we don't want this season to come back, obviously, and there be a, a laundry list of two dozen high profile players who are who are injured significantly. It always seems to happen. Guys who hold out wind up with like a hamstring pull or something like that. I remember it happened with Darrell Rivas because they say it all the time, there's football shape and then there's being in good shape, right? There's there are two different kind of things. I mean, you got to be in good shape to play football, but change of direction, stuff like that. Yeah, that's worrisome for the Steelers specifically. The only place where I'd say I, I the only reason I would say I wish this didn't happen, or I guess not the only reason, obviously. <laughs> but one of the reasons why you wish this wouldn't happen is just because of Ben in the unknown. There, uh, Ben's getting a throw with some of the guys. We saw the video from a couple of weeks ago. I would like to see him do it in the controlled setting a little Mm. bit more, work with Deontay Johnson within the framework of the offense, uh, be able to move back into the pocket, you know, put a play-action fake out there while there's linemen's bodies around him. With a helmet on. With a helmet on. And it's not just – it's not that it's his knee, right, and you got to be aware of spatial stuff, but – with the arm, you got to be aware of it, too. Sure. You don't want to get bumped into and how nervous are you going to be. When he's out there throwing on a high school field against air, that's a great progression. That might be like A, B, and C, 
but I want to see Ben Roethlisberger do it against defenses, against this defense, uh, with guys all around him. We're going to have to wait for that. Um, the arm's going to get stronger, and it might be stronger than it was the last couple of years hmm. because he's not going to be feeling any pain, but he's still got to get used to it. Yeah, and I think that's important too, right, because he also only played six quarters of football last season. Yeah. And as you and I both know, and anybody who's ever been to Steelers training camp or anybody who, you know, really part of Steelers Nation that follows the day-to-day of this team. The last few years, what Ben does in OTAs and in minicamp and in training camp, it's kind of on and off, right? Yeah. He's the true veteran. He'll practice fully a day. Then the next day he'll practice a half day. Then he takes a day off. Does that look the same with him trying to rehab from that elbow injury? Great question. And how's all that affected? Because, again, right, remember – when the first video came out of Ben just tossing the tennis ball in the gym or whatever it was, right? Not the one with Juju and all that a, a month or so ago. The original video that came out, I think it was in February, right? Of him just in the gymnasium throwing a tennis ball, I think it was. It was a real ball. Was it a real ball? Okay. I'm, it uh, was, I'm but glad he you, lobbed it like four feet. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. Like, we all said at that time, right, okay, this is the first step. By the time we get to, to minicamp and OTAs, we want to see him taking some real throws. That's about that time right now. We're not going to get to see that. Now, obviously, just because there's no OTAs in minicamp doesn't mean Ben's just sitting at home doing nothing. He's obviously rehabbing and working on these same things. I just wonder if it's a a monkey wrench into kind of the plans to get him back up to speed. Yeah, I I think it is. But Mike Tomlin's really good at flipping things and utilizing them to his advantage and to the team's advantage. And, I think Mike Tomlin's a really good master of the mind, hmm. and that's why things like standard is the standard stick, and the team believes it. And when you're one and three, or zero oh and three and one and four, you wind up still finishing eight and eight because you believe in those kind of things. I bet you he's telling Ben, "Look, go out there, throw, but you're not having to drive in. You don't have to deal with the mental. You have to deal with traffic, right? And you have to leave and deal with the." South side rush hour traffic either. You don't have to make the – you don't have to do you all this. You across the hot metal bridge. Yeah. Just take a breather, Ben. Throw. But we'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm sure Mike Tomlin's saying things like that. You know what? This is good mentally. You can rest a little bit. We'll get you back whenever we need you come training camp. Adam Crowley, Wesley Euler with you here on Steelers Blitz. The Crown Man is in for Arthur Motes today. Dad body. Dad body on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley at Wesley Euler. That's how you get your questions in here for the next hour and 45 minutes. On the other side, my buddy Adam Crowley, he had an opportunity recently to talk to Adam Schefter. I mean, that's just the two most powerful Adams in sports media on a microphone at the same time. And Adam Schefter had some real interesting comments about the potential start of the NFL season, how that could affect the Super Bowl. I want to get into some of that with Adam Crowley, as well as some stuff that Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated and NBC Sports said yesterday. Again, what Adam and I have been alluding to here with this hybrid training camp OTAs, uh, uh, excuse me, hybrid OTAs minicamp ahead of training camp. So I want to talk NFL schedule and what that could look like on the other side. Get those tweets in. We're rolling along here with Adam Crowley and in the inside the electric factory at Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz rolling along here on a Tuesday afternoon. Adam Crowley in for Arthur Motes today. Hey, make sure you catch him 4-7 to seven every day on ESPN Pittsburgh. Adam, I wanted to share with our audience some pertinent information that uh, you were able to extract from a uh, another Adam. Adam Schefter, of course, the NFL insider for ESPN. Uh, you had him on your show recently, and he made some really interesting comments that I think he hasn't just said this on your show. Uh, that was the first time I've heard it. He said it since. And I think it's kind of flying under the radar. Like, nobody's really talked about this a lot. And what he said was, and you can correct me if I'm, you know, if I, I misplace a, w- a word or two, um, but that the NFL would be willing, if they thought that it would allow them to get butts in the seats or more people in the stands, to push the NFL season back, potentially by four weeks, by six weeks, by eight weeks, that they'd be willing to move the Super Bowl back a month from February to March, maybe even move it two back month, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. maybe even move it back two months uh, from February to April potentially does this seem like something and obviously Adam Schefter isn't going to say that unless he's heard it from some people sure, in the know absolutely. but it's you know it's been a couple weeks since he was on your show this hasn't really taken off and when you hear the lack of conversation around that topic with the added conversation now to oh yeah we're just going to extend training camp a couple extra weeks than normal to get some of that OTA minicamp stuff in is it possible, realistically, that the NFL, like the NHL, like the NBA, like Major League Baseball to a different extent, could kind of drastically alter their schedule as a preemptive measure? Yeah, it's obviously possible. I'm guessing that it may have lost some traction, and that's why we're not hearing it as much, and we're hearing about the plans right. that say maybe there'd be a training camp that leads into training camp. I'm happy if that's the case. Because if you need to move your season because of a threat to the public, I understand. If you need to cancel a season because of a threat to the public, I understand. The NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, all wanting to make sure they get their ducks in a row, all making sure that they need to do this safely, makes a lot of sense to me, and I think that's the way to go about it. If the NFL was to preemptively move the season back a couple of months, and it's not about public safety, but about getting butts in the seats, I think that's ridiculous. Hmm. I, I think you do what you can to keep people safe and also try to stick with your normal schedule. And if that means you got to lose out on a lot of money for one part of one season, then sorry, that means you got to miss out on a little bit of money. Don't push it back just so that you can ensure your greatest amount of revenue (laughs) push it back yeah push it back to keep people safe so I don't like that now the argument you'd probably get back from the NFL West would be yeah well what if you can't do fans early in the season but you can do fans later in the season and therefore one team has an advantage over another team Mm. what if this team played three home games early and this team gets to play three home games late well to that I say tough there's seven, there's seven playoff spots Life now. Life isn't fair. <laughs> Life isn't fair. This situation's not fair to anybody. 
I would be upset with the NFL if they said we're moving because of that. The bottom line, instead of moving for safety reasons. Doesn't sound like it's going to happen, but that's how I would come down on it if that were the case. I wonder if in the NFL's mind how much the talk of a second wave, right, is, is really a topic of discussion for them in this regard too, right? Because I think we can agree on this. If you're the NFL, you'd rather start your season four to six weeks late than start your season and potentially have to pause it, correct? That's true. So that part's true. I, I wonder if that's a real conversation. Well, again, if it's about if it's about safety, if they're really afraid, and the people that they have that are advising them that are public health experts are telling them that there's going to be a second wave and it's going to hit smack dab in the middle of the fall, now, yeah, I'm considering moving everything back. I think that's fair. Moving everything back just so, oh, we can put fans in the stands. <laughs> Boy, I think, I know optics is a word that people disagree about. I think the optics are really bad there. And I think that the country could benefit, honestly, from having an NFL season when it's supposed to be. And not that it makes up for racial injustice and things of that nature, right? But you get it when it's supposed to be because it adds normalcy and people look forward to this in sure, the fall. Sure. If you're going to move it for reasons like that where, oh, we're going to get a, a second wave, we don't want these players to get infected now, we're going to have to pause. That I understand. That part I would. There's been a lot of talk about the need for some type of off-season program before training camp for, for a lot of different reasons, right? All the things that you and I just discussed primarily in the opening segment there a few minutes ago. Uh, it was reported by Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated and NBC Sports that the NFL is considering a two-week hybrid. I guess you could call it just a, a training camp extension, but it would be the, the OTAs and the minicamp stuff that we normally see, right? So guys in shorts and shells for a few days of practice and then guys putting on their helmets for a few days of practice and that kind of gradual increase to get to training camp where you can start hitting in full pads and things of that nature. I, I think, Adam, that this is a necessity for the NFL. I, you can't show up to training camp and do one of two things. One, have like two shell practices and then start padded practices right away when your guys are coming in with no callousing of that body ahead of time, if you will. You, you'll have injuries that'll just be out of control. And two, if you do it that way, where NFL teams can just normally start training camp at the end of July, football's going to be not so good early on in this. It's it's already for the first three or four weeks of the season, usually not the highest quality of football as the preseason continues to get less and less emphasis and de-emphasized, if you will, year by year, it feels like. For health and safety concerns and for just the quality of the product on the field once you kick off around Labor Day, I th you can't just go right into training camp as usual at the end of July and start playing preseason games in August. People are going to get hurt, and it's not going to be good football. I think you're right, and people like Craig Wolfley and Tun Shilkin, they know that back in their day, you'd have a six-week training camp. Yeah. And, and part I, of that was getting your body ready for the rigors of an NFL season. Yeah, I think if you're not going to have any other off-season activities, which they haven't, then you can't have a regularly length training camp. You just, you just can't because – from a body standpoint, which you pointed out, I think, correctly, and then also just from a mental reps standpoint, I mean, you got to get dudes in that need to learn the scheme. This isn't baseball. Guy stands up there and swings a stick at a ball. 
It's it's not. It's you've got to learn a playbook, and I'm sure all these guys have had the opportunity to do that electronically. But how many times has Wolf talked about the theater of the mind versus actually going out there and doing it? You can <laughs> utilize one that helps. Uh, it's always been funny to me that Wolf is talking about the theater of the mind. Didn't know that a mind existed. I kid, Wolf. We love you. And then going out on the football field and doing it in practice is totally different. So yeah, if there's if there's gonna be training camp this year, which Right now, the plan is that there will be at Heinz Field and across the NFL. you got to extend it. Four weeks, three weeks ain't going to be enough. And we've also seen there's a rumor they might cancel the first week of the preseason football games, which for the Steelers would mean that they would cancel the Hall of Fame game and then – That would stink. The second one. Of all the years to get the Hall of Fame game, this is the year you want it. Like the Steelers and the Cowboys should dig their heels in and be like, no, we're playing it. We're playing a game on August 5th or 6th, whatever it is, somewhere. Well, the way I look at it is you get a six week long training camp yeah. and then you have to play three preseason games. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a tr- it's, it's basically the same thing, right? Six, six eggs, half a dozen, six and whatever. one half dozen in the other. Yeah, I, I didn't know if you were going with the chicken or the egg or the, the six and one half. dozen. There's a lot of chicken and egg metaphors out there. Then I mixed them both together. I scrambled them is what I did there, Euler. <laughs> I've always been more of a uh, over-easy kind of guy myself. But you mentioned on something there, actually, that I would like to get your opinion on. Heinz uh, Field training camp. That was announced by the Steelers was it yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. right? Why? Why at Heinz Field and not at the south side where you've got four practice fields and an indoor facility and you've got all your medical equipment and all those hot tubs and all those cold tubs? Can't use them probably anyway, right? You allowed to use the hot tubs, the cold tubs? I, I don't know. I mean, are you allowed to use those? Because that, see, to me, is a question. Moats was saying yesterday that he thought the biggest benefit of holding training camp not in Latrobe is that the equipment and the facilities are better on the south side, right? Like, they've got legit, nice, with the cleaning and everything, hot tubs and cold tubs, right? As opposed to when those guys are in Latrobe and they're just, like, jumping in trash cans, after each other with, you know, no chlorine, no none of that stuff. Is that still the way that it is? Because, I, I mean, I have to plead ignorance. That's, because yeah, right. Th- that's what Moats was telling me. I have to plead ignorance those in that Because facilities are too. pretty good there for what the Steelers have paid for. The lo- Moats says that the locker room facilities are good there, but a lot, of okay. the, a lot of the recovery and the hot tub and the cold tub and that stuff isn't the same standard that it is at the UPMC Rooney so, Sports Complex. I mean, my take on this is you got you got you you want to have 90-guy rosters because that's how many you're going to have in training camp, and – if you go to the south side, you got your locker room. If you go to the Steeler, if you go to Heinz Field, you've got the visitors' locker room. You've got your locker no, that's room. That's true. I also you've got additional think, locker rooms there too, just for other event, high school teams and things of that nature. Exactly. I also think that you're going to want the media to be able to be at these things. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that you can have the media at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex with 90 sweaty bodies, plus, plus the coaching staffs. It's a beautiful facility, the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. We're very familiar with it. It is, it is awesome. It is state-of-the-art. But then you're also sharing the other side with Pitt. Not that there's a lot of overlap there. I don't know how much the four fields things matters either, Wes. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I said it on the show. The fields matter. They don't really use more than just the one field in Latrobe anyway. Not that much. You really just need two fields. Yeah. And but what about then, the element of them too? And I'm, this has gotten better since since the uh, since the facility opened about twenty you know what seventeen years ago, sixteen years ago. 
What about the surface at Heinz Field if you have training camp there for six I think, weeks? I think you reply. I think you just replace it. Maybe just yeah. you know, one week. Okay, take it out, put a new one in. I don't know how easy that is, right? It's I, probably I can barely not even cheap, c- but yeah. no, I can barely cut my own lawn. But I, I think as far as a media standpoint is concerned, you've got different entrances for the media. If you want them, they can all – every media person can have a different section if you want to talk about social distancing, We right? can have our Steelers Nation radio section. And I'm sure we will, right? Me, so, you, Moats, Punch and Wolf. Euler. Matt, wait, you're Matt Euler. and Dale. Lolly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Williamson, that's where I was trying to go. Pursuta. Labs. Missy. My God. I think it gives the media more of an opportunity to be there so that they can cover it, so that the fans have better uh, access of what's going on. And then if, yes, if we get to the point by August, and I don't know if we're going to get there, if we get to the point by August where you can have fans in these things, you can spread people out around Heinz Field. That's true. You can't do that at the UPMC Arena Sports Complex. It makes sense. And, and sorry, one more thing I want to say, Euler, and I've been very long-winded on to today's episode, episode is... I told you, you got to carry the load of this like your moats, so I mean... Dad body. Dad body. If guys need the cold tub and they're allowed to use it, okay. You could drive to the south side, too. It's not that far. Whoa! It's not that bad. See, you brought up the whole pit element of this, too. I didn't even think about that. I know why you didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't think about that because most colleges have their own facilities. They don't have to piggyback off the pro team in their town. Wait, what happened? Did I just? Wait, what? I knew you were gonna do that thing. <laughs> Make Pitt go to Heinz Field. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that that's it because they've never practiced at the same time, anyways, and they have completely separate locker rooms and weight training facilities. It is. I think sometimes you'll see, you know, guys run off one field and run onto the other. It's just you, parking lot concerns as well because hmm. you're gonna have that's both true. It's there. tough. It's tough to get a parking spot down there yeah. at, the, at the Rooney Complex during and OTAs again, and training or minicamp. Just from a media standpoint, because that's where we both come down on this. I mean, you're, if media is allowed, it's just going to be really difficult to do it at, at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. And this is not in any way, shape, or form to diminish the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, but it is to say you need room. You can't have 90 guys in a locker room that whenever you need it to be for 180 guys, really, right? And you can have two separate locker rooms because you hold two separate teams there on game days anyway, 53 people and personnel. It works better at Heinz Field from that standpoint. It does. That does and this is a comp- not a total digression, but a bit of a left turn here. I don't understand why that's such a big concern. If these guys can go out and hit each other and touch each other and a Big Ben can put his hands on, on Pouncey's butt, why, why do they have to be so separated in the locker room? when they're not going to be separated out there on the field. I don't know. I get that well, there's more. Well, wait a second, because I got a take on this. You bring your bag. You got your clothes. You got your germs. You got your, I, I get that. You don't have all that stuff out on the field with you. And you wash your hands when you come back into the locker room. I, I don't know. I get that there's more hygiene stuff that happens in the locker room than, than out on the field. I, I don't know. That seems to I, me I a little, I don't know, maybe too much in some ways. I think you know that there's just going to be inherent risk on the field. And you're going to say, okay, there's nothing we can do about it when we're practicing because dudes going to be buttoned right up against each other and there's going to be sweat and there's going to be breathing and coughing. It's alive and it's going to be nasty out there. But whatever precautions you can take, you do. Hmm. And so, hey, in the locker room, maybe you don't all shower together. Maybe you don't all bump up against each other just because it maybe you can lessen the spread that way. I, I was inclined to feel like you at the start. I'm just trying to kind of look for the why, and I, I guess that's it. Hey, it's going to spread on the field potentially. Try to 
mitigate it as much as possible in the dressing room. Yeah, and I guess too, I was I'm downplaying the hygiene element too of that a little bit. It's gross in there, man. It can be gross. Anybody who's ever played a sport knows that it can be gross in there. <laughs> Adam Crowley, Wesley Euler here on Steelers Blitz with you. The crowd man in for Arthur Motes today. Get those tweets in. We got a couple already. You already know how we do that. Last segment of the show, we will get to all your tweets, your questions, your comments, your concerns, your reaction. Find us at Wesley Euler at underscore Adam Crowley. When we come back here, in the first segment of the show, we talked about some of the continuity and the leadership and the veteran nature of the Steelers roster and organization. One of those guys that Adam mentioned was Cam Hayward. He's uh, entering the last year of his contract. Nothing yet on what his future could hold in terms of the Steelers. And we know that we're kind of starting to approach that deadline where the Steelers stop negotiations once they get into the season. What happens with Cam Hayward? What should happen with Cam Hayward? I will discuss with the crowd man on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Certainly hasn't felt like a... Uh, a usual offseason for your Pittsburgh Steelers for a lot of different reasons. Everything going on with the pandemic that changed the NFL draft and OTAs and mini camp and could potentially still have an effect on training camp and the regular season. One of those things, Adam, that I think is flying under the radar, again, just with everything going on, is the contract status of Cam Hayward. Now, I know this was discussed a little bit last week because Cam spoke to, I think it was Kaboom, right? Our buddy Mark Kabali from The Athletic, and said basically that there hasn't really been much dialogue and that he thinks that that could be part of with everything going on with the coaches, with a lot of the scouts, with a lot of the front office members, guys like Omar Khan not down on the south side having that day-to-day -day interaction. Cam Hayward saying that it's not going to affect him this year. He knows how the Steelers do business, but that he'd also be naive if he wasn't thinking about his football future and how that could be outside of Pittsburgh Adam Crowley, one, what happens with Cam Hayward? <laughs> and two, what should happen with Cam Hayward? Ah, uh, Euler, it's the same thing. It's the loaded gun question, baby. But it's the same thing. What should happen with Cam Hayward? He should be a Pittsburgh Steeler until he's done. What will happen? And this is me. I I'm not speaking on behalf of all of Steelers Nation Radio. I would like to make this very clear. But I personally believe they're they're going to get something done. They're going to get something done this offseason. And it's interesting because the Steelers have a lot of questions there moving forward over the course of the next year. This is Alejandro Villanueva's last year, too, of his contract. Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner come up at the end of this year. Uh, you've got T.J. Watt. This season is not his last year of his deal. He's got the fifth-year option that was picked up for next year. You got Ben Roethlisberger who's going to have forty million dollars on the books guaranteed next season against the salary cap. It's tough to navigate these financial waters, and, and eventually you're going to have to pay Minka and Devin Bush if if all goes well. Right. Uh, luckily, those are a little bit further down the line. With with both of them, you're going to have the option for the fifth year option, so that's good. So Correct. you kind of kick the can down. And there's the road a good a chance bit. Ben could be retired by the time that comes around, which would obviously be a huge amount of cap relief as well. Right. Massive. You don't know if 
COVID is going to affect the salary cap, how it's going to affect the salary cap. That could play into this too. Although I think you could float it potentially for a couple of years before you'd really have to do anything about that. But again, that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they're going to sign Cam Hayward, and they should. Cam Hayward's an all-pro. And, you know, people used to say this all the time about Aaron Smith. He's the most underrated, blah, blah, blah. People said Aaron Smith was underrated so many times that he became overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yes, Aaron Smith is good. We know it. I've been pounding the tape. Yes, Aaron Smith, good. Cam Hayward in Pittsburgh is not underappreciated. Around the league. I had a guy on from the USA Today. Adam Farrar, I want to say his name is, whose name I've butchered every single time. That's good radio hosting by you. I mean, forget the guy's name. Comes on your show. I mean, geez. Yeah, I butchered it then. I've butchered it now. But a really good film dude and an analytics guy. And he said, other than Aaron Donald, Cam Hayward is is that kind of disruptor up front. So you, Fletcher you can't Cox, that Fletcher too. Cox maybe too, but Moats, Moats and I have had Would, those same uh, discussions. Enough, enough of your Philadelphia crap, okay? Would you take it easy? I'm talking about Cam Hayward. He's, don't logical fallacy me here. I don't need to talk about Fletcher Cox. I'm talking about Cam. Pay that man because he's good enough, and he's not old either. Is he young? No. Is he 31? Yes. But is his play diminishing? Is he, is he, playing, is he playing worse? No. He's just as good as he's ever been, and... Hopefully his partner in crime is healthy this year and Stephon to it. Yep. And if he is, watch out. But, yeah, you pay him. That was a long-winded way of saying, yes, they should and they will pay him. I think you're right. I, I certainly think they should. I certainly think they will, too. Cam Hayward just be, just turned 31 years old. So, yes, he's on that other side of 30. But I think there's a big difference between a guy who just turned 31 and maybe a guy who's 33, 34. Yes. I also, too, Adam, compared to a lot of guys that have, have the success – that he has had in the accolades in terms of the first-team All-Pros and the Pro Bowls. and He doesn't have as much mileage on his tires from early in his career as those guys. a lot of those guys do, too. Like a normal 31-year-old who might have came into the league and started right away, it was kind of like his third or fourth year before he really became a mainstay on the field all the time part of this defense. I think he's still got more tread on his tires in that regard. And the one thing, I everything you say, I'm like a mirror. I echo. One thing I think you should mention, too, that you didn't, before we get into how Tuit plays into this, too, because you touched on that. I want to go there. Cam Hayward, right, 2016, he had that pec injury. He only played seven games. Aside from that, Crowley, since 2014, right, when he really became a full-time starter, unquestioned at age 25, and every snap kind of guy for that defense, If you take out 2016, other than the year he had the pec injury, since 2014, he's missed one game due to injury. One game. 2014, played all 16 games. 2015, played all 16 games. 2016, he had that injury. 2017, missed one game. 2018, 2019, played all 16 games. He's been three straight years a pro bowler, two of the last three years a first-team all-pro. I know because Pro Bowl doesn't necessarily mean as much in some regards as it used to. It's more it's of a popular. Cool. It ain't being a first-team all-pro. But it's not being a first-team all-pro in two out of three years. And, again, think about some of the names that we – Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, right, the J.J. Watts. A, a lot of these guys, those are who he's competing with for a lot of those first-team all-pro slots. I think that's just all the on-field stuff, too, right? We haven't even touched on the intangibles. Yes. He is the heart and soul of that defense. Uh, And, again, Arthur Motes would be telling us the same thing, that your leaders on that team, 
Pouncey, Roethlisberger on the offensive side of the football. Cam Hayward, Joe Hayden on the defensive side of the football. I think with his productivity, his availability, uh, I think it's a no-brainer. And then I want to know how you kind of factor Tewitt into all this, right? Because Tewitt still has three years on his deal after this year where he's making more money in terms of the cap hit and salary ramifications, everything, than Cam Hayward is. I don't know if this is a hypothetical that will actually play out, but if you could only keep one of those guys, oh. who are you keeping? Yeah, oh, radio. Oh, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to field that one because here's the thing: you just talked about the durability, right? He's older, but more durable mm-hmm. than Stephon Tuitt. Stephon Tuitt, through the first six games of the year last year, before he did get hurt, I thought was the Steelers' best player. Forget offense, That's defense. That's fair. That's their fair. best player. So I'm just going to sidestep that one. Ooh, Juke, Lamar Jackson. See you. Goodbye. <laughs> I've got a story about Cam Hayward that I think tells you everything you need to know about his leadership. All right. We were talking about training camp at Heinz Field. Well, my first ever training camp, and they do this every year, they had the one training camp practice at Heinz Field. And the family day or whatever it is. Yes. I'm on the field, and they're doing a drill 11-on-11. Ball was placed at, like, the 20-yard line. I don't remember if it was a two-minute drill or whatever it was. And I think it was Dre Archer gets the ball in the flat and scores a touchdown. Cam Hayward. This is a family show. (laughs) He is just every other (laughs) word is a swear. Cam's one of the nicest guys ever. I don't know if people know that. I think you do if you're listening to the show. Cam Hayward's a tremendous human being and a, and a great leader, and he's willing to talk whether they win or lose. But this guy is throwing expletive after expletive at his own defense, and we're talking about a training camp practice. It's probably early August at this time point. Yeah, he's screaming at his teammates because somebody didn't cover the flat, and then – they couldn't get over and make the tackle fast enough because if there was one thing Dre Archer was, it was fast. Maybe the only thing Dre Archer was was fast. He's ticked off because no one could cover the flat and then no one winds up making the wrap tackle in, in training camp. The guy's just off the charts competitive. And I think it's important to have guys who can talk and guys who are the leaders by example. He's both. The talk and the talk and walk the walk. Right. Yeah. And he's good. Ideally, your best leaders are your best players, and he's he's all of that wrapped into one. So I'm happy you brought up the intangibles because I think as far as intangibles go, his intangibles are almost tangible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. That's that. You know what? I really like that. I'm gonna steal that line. I want to steal that more. I want to keep using that. Yeah, I was gonna say steal from who? I mean, you just said it. Unless you're stealing it from somebody. I'm gonna forget. It. You're gonna repeat it so much. I'm gonna think it's yours, and then I will think I stole it. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, that, that is, it, it, you're right. His intangibles are almost tangible to that point. I, I really like that way of putting it. And when we started this segment, when I posed the question to you, you said he should be, and I think he will be, a stealer for life. It's very rare for me in any sport to think, yeah, that guy deserves to call his shot, right? I am... I get into this argument with people a lot. I'm 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 always for my team's logo, my team's success more yeah. than my the guys that I like on that team. <laughs> like, if you could tell me right now, Adam, that the Penguins this NHL offseason, whenever that happens in the calendar here, but the Penguins in the next NHL offseason could trade Sidney Crosby or could trade Evgeny Malkin, but they're gonna win two or three more Stanley Cups without them. I'd say, okay, let's do it. 
Yes. I, I love those guys, but I love seeing the Penguins have success more. Like, I would say the same thing with the Steelers, right? As, as much as I love T.J. Watt, if you're going to tell me that the Steelers trade T.J. Watt and that helps them win the Super Bowl next year, okay, I'd rather win the Super Bowl than have T.J. Watt on the roster. Cam Hayward, though, is one of those rare exceptions where because of the intangibles, the production still on the field, and everything that just he means to the community, to the locker room, again, on and off the field, I've got no problem with saying that guy's a stealer for life. I mean, unless, you know, he it comes to the table and he's just got some crazy contract number or something that he wants like that, which I don't think would happen, you know, unless he literally prices himself out of Pittsburgh. It's or very, prices them out of being able to contend for a championship. It, it, right. It's very rare that I would say that about an athlete that they deserve to call their own shot. It's very – it's even more rare that I would say that about a football player who was not the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I feel that way about Cam Hayward. I, I really do. And you just – you went up front too, and we've seen it. Cam, to it, now the bookends. That's how you do it. And people talk about Minka Fitzpatrick, what he brought to the table last year, and I do not want to diminish that at all. But it's possible that Minka looked as good as he is, as he did because – he was he's good, very good, but then also you have a pass rush that he just didn't have in Miami. I don't see Cam Hayward falling off anytime no. soon. I think he's got at least three more good years in him, and I'll take three more all pro or almost all pro years and then live with whatever the back two years of potential contract would bring every single time, especially with the way that NFL contracts are are sort of meted out anyway. You, you could guarantee all the money in the first two or three seasons, and then right. if for some reason he does fall off a cliff, you could, you know, not kill yourself in terms of a cap penalty. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's honestly, when they signed Joe Hayden from Cleveland, that's kind of what the Steelers did on his first contract here in Pittsburgh. They front-loaded the first two seasons with all the guaranteed money so that if for whatever reason it didn't work out, they could cut him before that third season without much of a cap penalty. Now, yeah. it has worked out. You could even argue, and Joe Hayden's like, wine. He's getting better Ugh. every year that goes along. So it worked out well for the Steelers in that regard. But they kind of set themselves up with a safety net when they did give Joe Hayden that original contract because they front-loaded all the guaranteed – they put all the guaranteed money in the – you get what I'm saying. I do. All the guaranteed money was in the first two years of the contract. Uh, so we've agreed, Adam and I, we've, we've, you know, we've laid it all out. We've solved this problem. Cam Hayward, he should stay. He's going to stay. But what about some of these other guys? Uh, what about some of these younger guys? Juju, James Conner, their contract's coming down the line. Bud Dupree, he's going to play on a franchise tag. T.J. Watt, he's going to need paid soon. How do we feel about what that is going to look like? And a conversation that Moats and I have had before that our loyal listeners will be familiar with, uh, the franchise cornerstone concept, right? How many of these guys do you really feel are worth investing in for the Steelers' long time that you can build a team around how many of those cornerstone guys do the Steelers have right now we'll get into all of that in hour number two and we will take your tweets as well so get them in at Wesley Euler at underscore Adam Crowley Euler and Moats are on the air this is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR Steelers Nation Radio Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Wesley Euler with you here. Hour number two inside the Electric Factory. I got Adam Crowley riding shotgun today in for Arthur Motes. 
Inions already know to drill. An hour in the books, another hour to go. This is your time to shine. Get those tweets in. We will take them before we get out of here at 2 o'clock. You can find us on the Twitter.com at Wesley Euler at underscore Adam Crowley. Adam, this is a conversation that Moats and I have had on air usually around this time of year. You know, it was about a year ago around this time we had this conversation and I think it relates to the contract conversation we were just having. We call it franchise cornerstones, okay? And there's some parameters to this. Like, I think people would think that on the surface, obviously, Cam Hayward, he's a franchise cornerstone. Ben Roethlisberger, he's a franchise cornerstone. But when Moats and I laid this out last offseason, what we went with is guidelines, right? That to consider somebody a franchise cornerstone, they had to be one of two things. Either 27 years old or younger, unless they were a quarterback, than 31 years old or younger. And I why, love it. Yeah, why we said that, why we set those guidelines is because is Cam Hayward right now like a pillar of the Steelers franchise? Certainly. But when we talk long-term, like this is a longer-term conversation. So what the rule was is you have to be confident in this person that six, seven years from now, they're still going to be contributing. Hey, I love Ben Roethlisberger. He's a future Hall of Famer. But if he's still playing football six, seven years from now, I think we would all be shocked. So, Adam Crowley, I told you this ahead of time so you'd have a little time to think about it and, and, and do your research. As we stand here right now, June 9th, the year of our Lord, 2020. How many franchise cornerstones do the Pittsburgh Steelers have in your estimation? Two. Wow. They got two. And I broke this down further, too, because I think that there are four guys that could play their way there this year. Okay. So I've got two and then four guys that could be potentially added. And then I've got two guys that are a little bit further back that could be possibilities. So I, I parsed it to protect myself. <laughs> but I think I know who your two are. TJ and Minka. Yeah, those are the two obvious no-brainer slam dunk without a doubt calls. TJ Watt, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, when are we going to wrap our head around that? Because that's going to happen. I mean, the dude... Had seven sacks his first year. That's pretty good, right? Okay, I'm just going to have 13 in year two. <laughs> so that's 20 over two. That's an average of 10 a season. Pretty good. His third year, he's in the defensive player of the year conversation. Has 14 and a half sacks. Pressures the quarterback on just about every other damn pass rush. The guy's incredible. He's averaging like 11 and a half sacks a season in his NFL career, and he's only had three years. He's 25 years old. If he does that for the next seven years, we're looking at a guy who's got 100 sacks. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer. He's not going to get worse. He's probably going to get better. So, duh. I mean, duh. Duh, duh, duh. Duh. If you need to build your football team, if I had Kevin Colbert's job, and I would do it for 80K, by the way, uh, Mr. Rooney. I mean, just 80K, it's all I would cost. I'll build the team. Wouldn't do as well, obviously, but I'd be cheaper. You're either going quarterback or going edge rusher. Okay, well, there you go. There's a profound game impactor in T.J. Watt. The other guy, Minka, duh. He's 23, first team all pro. The defense took off when he got there. There's nothing not to like about him. Plus, he's cheap over the next couple of years. You don't have to pay his bonus. You'll have to pay him the fifth-year option. But, again, he's he's tw he's, 20, he's 23. He's 23. He's, he's got two more years before he's as old as T.J. Watt is right now. He is, I believe, younger 
by a couple weeks, but still younger than Joe Burrow, who was just the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. It's incredible. I, I think those two guys are pillars of a defense the way that James Harrison and Troy Polamalu were pillars for mm. the Steelers' defense back in, in the mid-2000s, in the early 2010s. And the thing is that by 2012-ish, Troy was starting to slow down. You've got beginning of the careers, T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Whereas James fit, Harrison took a little while to marinate a little right. bit. Right, they fit very. They're they're not even close to that twenty-seven year old cutoff. I mean, Ooh. twenty-five and twenty-three. They are still young, young. They're on this list for a while. My dudes, that I here's how I parse the categories. Okay, need to see it for one more year. Devin Bush. Yes, Devin Bush is on this list. He's my numero uno on this list. Deontay Johnson. He's in my. Oh, he's in my third category. Whoa. Because I think he could be a cornerstone, but I need to see more of it with the quarterback that's that's good. No offense to the guys who played quarterback last year. Stephon Tewitt's 27, so he's right there. Right there. Again, he was the best player on the defense. So is Steven Nelson. He's 27. He's right there. I have him right below Tewitt, and then right below Nelson I have Bud Dupree. Unfortunately, I just don't think Bud's going to be around. Right. But, yeah, those other three. Bush – what he showed last year, I think he's going to be a star. Tuit was the best player on the team for the first six weeks of the season last year, and he, he if he's healthy, he's going to be that kind of impact player again. And Steven Nelson could have been an all-pro player last year. Forget Pro Bowl. He wouldn't make the Pro Bowl, but he could have been an all-pro player. Mark Bully has broken down the stats with this dude. He's incredible. So that's kind of how I parse it out. I notice you didn't mention one Juju Smith-Schuster in any of that parcel. I have him as my uh, as as my second person on the possible. So he's in my third so category lower, as the he's number in a two separate guy. Cat, he's lower in a category than Deontay Johnson and 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 uh, Devin Bush. Or is Deontay in that category too for you? So Juju and Deontay are in my third category. Okay. And Juju's shown it. Juju's been great for two years, and. He just wasn't last year. Injury played a part of it. There were a couple other things that he didn't do well when he was healthy and a couple of things off the field that I thought, ah, Juju, do you really got to be driving to State College instead of going to Arizona? I don't know if Juju's going to be around because I don't know what this season's going to hold. He's younger than Deontay Johnson, by the way, which is incredible to me. <laughs> He's going to go in a year four. He's younger than a guy who's going in a year two. Um, I think we're really parsing at that point. I think the Steelers have eight guys that could be in the category. That you can make an argument for. Yes, two slam dunks. <sighs> I talked for 14 minutes there. You did not. Um, wow, see, now you got this parsing, and I'm wondering if I should. So I, I, I did it separately just by offense and defense. Uh, on, I, I've got five, Adam. I've got five. That's too many. The two obvious ones that you stated, I don't need to say why because it'd be the same things that you just said a minute ago. And I've got Devin Bush there. I do. Uh, after one year, I'm putting him there. And then I've got Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson as well, too. Because of their age, uh, it's a little different conversation with the two, right? Um, for Juju, do I ever think he's going to be a top five Antonio Brown wide receiver in the National Football League? I don't know. But I certainly think he is going to be one of the best 15 wide receivers in the NFL for a long time. I think Deontay Johnson, based off of one year, and, and I say this all the time, 
It's Moats calls it one of my eulerisms. <laughs> I never crown a guy off one good season. If you have you one, already did. You if did. You, if you, you just have, did. If you have one good season, great. Do it again next year, and then I'll start to crown you. You crowned two of them. You got Devin and Deontay. Sorry, I'll let you talk. But Deontay, I think, had a good season with everything you just mentioned, without Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. With two different quarterbacks, with a lot of shifting and 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 losing his wide receiver coach during training camp and, and just a lot of stuff. He still ends up being a second-team All-Pro. I know, as a punt returner, not as a wide receiver. There, there's a difference there. I'm going to – I could. I think I could say three. And I could say, you know, I could say Watt and I could say Minka and I could say I still believe in Juju. Again, maybe he'll never be a bonafide superstar, but I think he's going to be one of the better wide receivers in the NFL for a long time. That's enough for me with his age too. But I'm confident in, in Devin Bush and in, in Deontay Johnson. I'll throw them in there. Again, with their age considering, if they were 24, 25, a little different. I'm going to throw those guys in there too. And then that's kind of where I'm going to draw my line. Yeah, we could talk about it. We could talk about Nelson. They're right at that 27-year uh, age group. But I, I, I really like those five. And I think five years from now, those five will still be Pittsburgh Steelers. I do. The reason why I had four dudes in my need-to-see-it-for-one-more-year category is Bud, on a contract year, played his best football, and that's the only time we ever saw him do it. Steve Nelson, he went from being, like, the most targeted guy in football <laughs> I know. to being incredible. Less than 80 targets? So what happened there, and does the league adjust back? Devin Bush was 21, is 21, pardon me, was Trent a rookie. Nguyen. Yeah. Couldn't – started training camp last year, Devin Bush – did and he wasn't even able to buy a, a drink legally. Right. <laughs> he didn't so, turn twenty one till the middle of training camp. He's the guy I feel best about there because he's he again he's he's twenty one and I thought he was good last year. Stefan Tuit, I need to see it for one more year because I feel like that's always the conversation with Tuit because can you stay healthy? Moats and I like, had this same conversation about Tuit last year when we were talking about this. Right, he, dude. He's James Conner but better and. On defense. Mm-hmm. I know James Conner's good. He's just not healthy enough. I know Stefan Tuitt's good. I think he's great. Great. He's I was going to say, yeah, enough. he's great. So that's why I did it the way that I, I did it that way. I'm with you on Deontay Johnson. I can't say he's a franchise cornerstone, but can he be? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, he, according to Pro Football Focus, which I use when it benefits me but don't when it doesn't, Yep. made more people miss from the wide receiver position, broken tackles or missed tackles forced than any wide receiver in, in ball last year. As a rookie, when he's got Duck Hodges throwing him the football and Mason Rudolph, who's getting called a racist and beat with helmets and kneed in the face or hit in the face by Earl Thomas, Deontay Johnson, I think, has got a chance to be really good. And he's not getting enough credit nationally, buddy. I keep seeing these lists That's pop good, up. Though. That's fine. No, it is. Let but him fly under the radar. Which of these, these second-year wide receivers is going to take off? And he's never there. And it's like, did you guys know that he had 600-plus receiving yards last year with Wes Euler and Adam Crowley throwing him the football? I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I think that's – we can, we've kind of used that – I don't know if excuse is maybe too strong of a term because there was other stuff that played in. He missed four games with injury. But we've used that as a reason to explain the down year. Maybe that's the best way to put it, the down year for Juju Smith-Schuster last year. I think at the same time we can use that to prop up the success that Deontay Johnson Yeah, because I think it's different. Yeah. Because Juju, the problem wasn't him getting the football in the Baltimore game when he fumbled it away. He had it. He just, he just, he just lost it. Marlon Humphrey comes flying in, punching it. 
That's not because of the quarterback. That's because of lack of attention to detail. When the ball goes through his hands at the end of the Jets game, sorry, that has nothing to do with the ball not getting there. The ball got there. You've got to make the play. So those two moments stick out as crucial game-defining moments that Juju didn't make that had nothing to do, in my opinion, with the quarterback. And I love Juju. I'm a millennial. I like the whole social media thing. I really do. I say it all the time. But you got to make a play whenever the ball's there or when you got the ball in your hands, and he didn't last year. Whereas Deontay, when he did get it, he made the most of it every time. Now, he's got a little bit of fumbleitis. you got to fix that from year one to year two. But the guy was dynamite with the ball in his hands vis-a-vis his punt return, too. One guy that we didn't mention here before we go to break, you think there's any way from what we've seen for him his first two years that we could, still 23 years old, potentially be talking about Terrell Edmonds in this conversation one of these days? Possible? Or it's no, po- he just kind of... Mm. Maybe it's possible because I think he's a freak athlete. I think he's got the lowest body fat content on the team. I, I think his acceleration is one of the best on the entire team. I think he's got a chance. I think playing next to Minka is going to help With that. With Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden oh on, on both the flanks. Yeah, you can you can be better because the tide can lift your ship. I think it's probably a little a little bit of a bridge too far, though. I think he's I think he can be a good player, but I don't know if great is in it for him. And he's going to get targeted a lot more, too, probably, which might reflect poorly on him from a numbers standpoint, and it might not necessarily be fair. What say you, Steelers Nation Radio? We've, uh, we've spoken our piece, Crowley and I. Who are the Steelers franchise cornerstones? Where did we get it right? Where did we get it wrong? At Wesley Euler, at underscore Adam Crowley. When we come back here, let's compare the Steelers and how we think about, you know, kind of their young core, if you will, to around uh, the rest of their rivals in the AFC North. <gasps> How will Adam feel about guys like Joe Burrow who got the hype, but they haven't even taken an NFL snap yet? Is he a cornerstone? Find out on the other side. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Our good friend Adam Crowley, the Crow man, sitting in with us, kind enough to hang out with me for two hours here on this Tuesday. Arthur Motes out for the day, but don't you worry. He'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow. Mr. Crowley, continuing along with this franchise cornerstone concept that we're having, I figured it would only be right if we looked at the Steelers' rivals around the AFC North as well when having this conversation. So who do you want to start with here? I think it makes most sense probably to just go with the Ravens. Yeah, since they're the the biggest rival and the biggest threat at this time. You look at their roster, they've got a lot of those guys that could be close to, like Marcus Peters is is 27 Mm. years old. Um, a lot of their guys on the 28, 29, 30, but still Marlon Humphrey, 23, Lamar Jackson, 23. Uh, they've got some great offensive linemen that are still under that mark as well, too. So Adam Crowley, the Baltimore Ravens, by your estimation, how many franchise cornerstones do they have? <sighs> Lamar Jackson. Yep. Marcus Peters. Yep. Judon's iffy. I'm going to go no because I just don't know how long he'll be around. Humphrey's a yes. 100%. Stanley's a yes. 100%. 
That's what I got right now. I didn't mark these down beforehand, and I'm trying to make sure I nail it on all of the ages here. The only one that I think you missed on that I would add is Mark Andrews at tight end. Yes, just that's turned, fair. Just turned 23 years old. That's fair. He's very good, and maybe he's a product of the system. We saw what he did at Oklahoma. He's uh, he's a good player, mm-hmm. so – yeah, what's that? What's that give them five, five definites? Definites, and I think they've got a lot of cl- like guys that you know. We c- let's see another year from Marquise Brown. Let's see what J.K. Dobbins does this season. I mean, they've got some of those guys, <laughs> Patrick Queen, l- like the, some of those guys that again, it's tough to put a rookie on there. Like, I mean, you, uh, you yeah, gotta be you like can. you gotta be like a Joe Burrow. Yeah. I, I mean, like a, a a number one type overall pick in playing quarterback. But man, even. Sean Pollard at center at 22 years old. I mean, they've got some really good, maybe not necessarily cornerstone, but some guys that would be in that next wave of not great, but really good that are still 23, 24, 25 years old as well. Yeah, it's a good roster. Uh, It's a great roster. And I actually think because of the way we're doing this with the age cutoffs where they are, it makes the Ravens look like the Steelers don't stand a chance. And... If you take away the age restrictions, though, I think things change. Because uh, people keep telling me that they don't think the Steelers are going to be good. And I'm, I mean, people, i.e., a lot of folks in the national media, mm-hmm. I don't see it. I don't see where they're, where they're not going to be good. They were the worst team in football last year in the red zone, and they're not going to be this year. They won eight games with the worst offense I've ever seen the Steelers have. They're not going to have that this year. So I just I don't see it. I think Cam Hayward belongs. I think Stefan Tuitt belongs, though both guys, either for age or injury reasons, didn't make it on mine. I think Joe Hayden, because of age, doesn't make it. You could argue a it. lot of those guys with the Ravens too, right? Though like you can. Earl but Thomas, I think, Calais Campbell. I think it winds up being more equal than it looks like doing it this way. Hmm. And I think roster wise. I think they're very, very close to being equal because I like the Steelers' defense better than the Ravens' defense, but I think the Ravens' defense is good. I like the Ravens' offense better than the Steelers' offense, but I think the Steelers' offense is actually, <gasps> shocker, going to be good. I, I think these teams are more evenly matched than people give them credit for. I think the Steelers are a 10-11 win team. I don't think the Ravens are going to win 14 again which means that those two division games become huge. It can go either way. Mm-hmm. I think the Ravens do win the division, but I don't think that the way we're doing it really makes the Steelers look all that good by comparison. Just because they're, they're, I think a, lot, a majority of their talent is younger than the Steelers' talent. I, I would say that's why. You know, Lamar, their, their quarterback is 23 and yeah. coming off an MVP. <laughs> I didn't even mention Ben. I mean, Ben's the guy we can't put in here because he's seven years past the cutoff. They're, I, I kind of think best player on defense, Marlon Humphrey, maybe, kind of, sort of. 23 years old. I mean, they, they've got some really nice – I mean, look at their offensive line, too. It's ridiculous how good their offensive line is for how young it is. Now, Yonda's outside – Yonda's retired. He's gone now. Let's see how that plays in because he was the, the catalyst of it's that offensive line. Yeah. But, man, Orlando Brown Jr., 24 years old. Uh, it's just – they've got some guys that are 23, 24 that are insanely talented. I think that's the difference. Not that the Steelers don't – I mean, the Steelers still have Minka and T.J. Watt and Devin Bush – but the Ravens have those kind of guys on both sides of the football where we're still asking questions about Deontay and Juju. Maybe some of theirs, they don't have as many questions. The Steelers can be good this year and next year, and then I think that they're going to hit a real reset point. 
And, and you don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Colbert, right? Because he's going year by year. You don't know what's going to happen with Ben Roethlisberger after that because he's going year by year. Whereas the Ravens, I feel like they've entered a different phase earlier than the Steelers. They moved on from Joe Flacco and changed the direction of the franchise not last year but the year before. So the Steelers are, are going to be a couple of years behind there, and I think that's okay. And there's going to be a point where they're a couple of years behind Cincinnati where I think since he's shown that they can at least put a winning team on the field, you could argue, of course, the Steelers are a couple of years behind Cleveland in terms of roster building for the future, but, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, the Steelers are in a position to win these next couple of years, and for now, that's what matters. Speaking of Cleveland, how do you evaluate those brannies? Baker should be in the conversation, but he stunk last year. He's not for me. Yeah, I mean... If you, you, know, want, you know Baker, just real quick, side note, yeah. he's got the sixth best odds to win comeback player of the year in the NFL this year. In order to win comeback player of the year, you had to suck the year before, though. It, that's, that's what I mean. He's, he's the number one overall pick on his rookie de deal still, and he's up for comeback player of the year. That tells me everything I need to know about Baker Mayfield. It's uh, a great point. Uh, tell me, tell me where, why he didn't have every opportunity to succeed last year from a skill position standpoint. <laughs> tell, tell me why. Right. Uh and even more so this year, now the excuses are gone. Uh, you bring in Jack Conklin, you use your first-round pick as an, on an offensive lineman as well. The Browns are tough for me because they've got a lot of those close guys too. Like, Jack Conklin is close to me. I think he's really good. He's only 25, but I don't think he's good enough of a pass blocker for me to call him a franchise cornerstone. I just why don't. Is, why is a 25-year-old offensive lineman moving teams? <laughs> Who's that good? Why does that happen? From a team that was in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, why does, why does that happen? I mean, And I know the Titans had plenty of mouths to feed, too, in terms of Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, but... Don't get me started on that, by run, the way. Run, teams that, teams that, uh, that cut their teeth running the ball don't often let their right tackle walk in free agency when he's one of the best run-blocking tackles in football. Derrick Henry's incredible. I'm paying the, the offensive lineman 100 times out of 100 before I pay him, though. And it's not sexy, it's not fun, but... Why do you think Derrick Henry's having as much success as he's having? I mean, he's good. I mean, way good. But come on. People forgot about how good Derrick Henry was until he's tearing up the playoffs last year. And people forget about running backs for a year or two because so much of it is predicated on the offensive line. Anyway, that's why Conklin's not making it for me just yet. No, and, and Austin Hooper's another one. He's only 25. I think he's one of the better tight ends in the National Football League. But new team, new offense, new skin. A lot of mouths to feed on that offense. I'd have him close, but no cigar either. Unless you're a absolutely elite tight end, yes, I don't think you can be a uh, a building block. Like I'd say, Kittle is maybe the only franchise cornerstone tight end. Kelsey, he's I'd say Kelsey. Is he? Isn't he twenty eight? Well, 29? he's too old. He's yeah. too old. Good point. Right. And again, we're but, talking. But that kind of player, maybe. And I just said Mark Andrews as well too, to to not be a hypocrite here. <laughs> three minutes later, but yeah, you're right. There's probably less than three or four of those tight ends. But in the, the value, football. and I guess we'll see the value of the uh, tight what end. About, what about Hawkinson and Fant? Wait a second here. Wait a second. No, here. we're totally chasing the shiny object. I think that for I think that you look at tight end in Baltimore, and it's more important than it's going to be a lot of places. Fair point. Cleveland, though, with Stefanski, it's going to become very popular uh, and important, too, because it's kind of a, one of those offenses modeled out of the one that Shanahan runs. I mean, G Garrett and Denzel Ward, obviously, slam are, your, dunks. are your two slam dunks. Slam dunks. Nick Chubb I is, think, I, I think, really good. I think Nick Chubb as well, too. He's, uh, he's on my list. Ogan Joby's good. <sighs> I forgot the Browns have Carl Joseph, our WVU brethren. 
I, I, those three that we just mentioned are, are for me, Crowley, and I put Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ in there too. belongs I in do. there. He just turned 27. Uh, so I've got Ward, I've got Garrett, I've got Chubb, and I've got OBJ. What about Jarvis Landry? Mm, no. Nice player, yeah, but I don't think he's a seven years. Seven years from now, do I still want that guy on my team? Probably not. A possession guy that you that he's now 35 years old. No, you're probably right. Yeah. Okay, so we've done it with Cleveland. We got what three or four? And you four. could, and, and I think too, uh, Joel Batonio, one of the better guards. He's the only good offensive lineman Cleveland had last year. He's 28 though, so by our guidelines, he's. I'm out. happy you said that because we looked stupid for not mentioning Joel Batonio. But you and I both look 28 and just move on. People at home might be right. going. So I think it's, you're right. It's a good reminder that the the guidelines right were. You got to be 31 or younger for quarterbacks. You got to be 27 or younger for everybody else because to be a cornerstone, you got to still be playing at a high level six, seven years from now. Mm-hmm. Cle- or sorry, not Cleveland. Cincinnati, the other team in Ohio. This is an interesting one, too, because they've got a lot of these pedigree guys unproven, like a Jonah Williams, who was a top 10 pick in 2019 but didn't play at all this past season, um, like a Joe Mixon. Like, honestly, like a Joe Burrow, a number one overall pick, but he hasn't played a snap at the pro level yet. Some talented wide receiver. How how you feeling about the uh, the bungles here, Mr. Crowley? How many do they have on your list? Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd's good. No, he's good, but he's he's not a franchise cornerstone. He's good. John Ross, they forgot existed for a little while. <laughs> William Jackson the third belongs. I mean, he was outstanding last yep. year. And he's right at the cutoff, so we'll allow it. Uh, I think you're really you're really having a tough time here in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow should be he should be. If he's yes. not, then they've absolutely failed. And I think both you and I agree that that he's going to be a really good player. Yes. Joe Mixon to me. Yes. Running back's weird, but yeah, Joe Mixon's really good. They have never utilized him well enough either. And I think nope. the guy's a dirtbag of a person, but <laughs> he's a really good football player. He has always reminded me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell, light, but. Man, I look around, and I'm not seeing much other than that. They've got good pieces on the offensive side of the ball. They do. A.J. Green doesn't qualify, obviously, for this conversation. Geno Atkins, a stud, should probably be a future Hall of Famer. That guy doesn't fit for this conversation. Correct. I think it's a pretty good landing spot for number one overall pick, honestly. I think that they're going to be a competitive team, and I think offensively they have a chance to actually be good, maybe. But do they have – proven cornerstone players right now no that's why they pick first in the draft it's a great call by you yeah I, I think those three guys that you mentioned mm, that's it they've that's got it. some they've got some and guys they've got a decision to make on William Jackson the third too about they whether to pay him and how much to pay him they do and I think you know hey we could be six weeks in the next season and we could say yeah Jonah Williams I mean 22 years old great great left tackle but until you he's see like a it, new first round pick he is and so it works out nice for them in that regard T. Higgins. I mean, maybe he's a guy, too. You just don't know it's in the so, here and the now. The, the only rookies, I think, Adam, that came out in this past NFL draft that I would say, yes, I'd call him a franchise cornerstone already right now. Joe Burrow, and maybe, to be fair, if they still had Andy Dalton on the roster, I wouldn't be singing this song, but where else are they going to go? Like, two is probably not going to start right away in Miami. He's going to sit behind Fitzpatrick for a while. I feel like i got to say Joe Burrow, because where else are they going to go? <sighs> Chase Young, I think, is fair, certainly. Yep. 
I love the Derrick Brown selection by the Carolina Panthers, but you were real high on him. I'm real high on him. I really like Isaiah Simmons going to uh, the I Chargers would, I, as well. I'd put him. I'd put him on the list. Or Cardinals. Sorry, he's Cardinals. He went to the right? Cardinals. Yeah, he went to the Cardinals. Yeah, because you you already but, forgot about what's his face, the quarterback from Oregon. I would not consider Josh Herbert, Herbert. a cornerstone at this point. The, well, that's because his name's Justin. I mean, maybe geez. Joe Burrow and Chase Young are the only two rookies that I would give that credit to at this point. Not that I don't think you just I, don't know. I, I think a lot of the I, you know, I really like Derek Brown. I really like Isaiah Simmons. I think a lot of these offensive linemen, Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills. I think a lot of these guys, Makai Becton. You know how much I talked at nauseum about Makai Becton ahead of the draft, but it's. Chase Young and Joe Burrow, I think that's about it. And part of the reason why I'm saying Joe Burrow, too, is because, as you alluded to, I think there are some nice pieces on that offense that will help him get up to speed. they got some nice wide receivers. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, T. Higgins. They can hand the ball to Joe Mixon. Yeah, the offensive line should be much improved this year. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's why – I think I'd say Chase Young and and, and Joe Burrow as it stands right now. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it doesn't mean that other teams didn't make the right pick. Right, and then and you, this time next year we'll be singing a completely different song. Yeah, and you'd hope that 15 of those guys, right. Right, if you're picking a top 15. I just want to wait and see. Right, but yeah. there are guys that we felt like were slam dunks that you can't miss on, and those are the, probably the guys that you feel best about. One more segment to go. Yin's guys know what that means. We will get to your tweets, your questions, comments, concerns, reaction over the last hour and 40 minutes. And tag minutes. me, too. I mean, come on. I keep tagging Euler. Let me in on this thing. At underscore Adam Crowley. What the heck? <laughs> At Wesley Euler, your last chance to get those tweets in. We will answer on the other side as we wrap up the show. He's Adam Crowley. I'm Wesley Euler, and this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, and you hear the Ico Ico, that can only mean one thing. We're wrapping up the show with your tweets. Our buddy from Massachusetts, Lil JMB55, wants to know, Adam, where do you think the Steelers fit in in the AFC picture? What position do you think they will end up in playoff-wise? I think they're going to be a wild-card team just because the Ravens are really good. It wouldn't shock me if they won the AFC North. I'm just not going to predict it that way. And as far as how good they can actually be, I think they could be a wild-card team and still be maybe the third-best team in the conference. Hmm. We've talked about this. Yeah. We talked about this on the draft show, Euler. After the Chiefs and the Ravens, who's the next best team? It ain't going to be the Patriots. Sorry. See you, Tom. And after that, it's what? Buffalo, mm-hmm. may, maybe Indies in the conversation, mm-hmm. maybe Houston. Tennessee. They went to the AFC Championship game. I mean, you just scoffed at a, at a team that I thought maybe could be it, and, and then I could name a team, or you could name a team that I'm scoffing at. So I think the Steelers could maybe be the third best team in the conference and be the first wild card. I think so, too. We, it's funny. We see that happen in the NFC a lot where it yeah. feels like the second-best team is sometimes because of just how it's been with Seattle and the 49ers and the Rams all in the same division and how it was for a little bit there with the Packers and the Bears as well, too. Yeah, I'm with you. I think by the end of the year, um, we could easily – not easily, but we could be saying the Steelers are the third-best team in the AFC. But I think right now the clear-cut one and two are the Chiefs and yep. the Ravens in that order. Chiefs one, Ravens two. And then I'd say it's <laughs> – 
It's an open field after that. The Steelers have a good as good a shot as it stands right now as anybody. Well, and let me say this. Oh, the Ravens offense is overwhelming. Yeah. The Chiefs offense is overwhelming. What's the third best unit in the AFC? Hmm. I think in it might be the Steelers' offense, defense. No, oh, just, just overall. I got overall you. I got you. units. It, yeah, you could argue that, certainly. It might be the Steelers' defense. Don't sleep on that now. I think they need to sign another inside linebacker, but we'll talk about that ad nauseum through the 14-week <laughs> training camp that there's going to be. Yeah, Mark Barron or Nigel Bradham, just have one of them. That's in, your boy. In the black and gold before Labor Day weekend. That's all we're saying. Uh, Rebecca, the lit one here, asks uh, our thoughts about Chris Boswell as it relates to um, to the franchise cornerstone concept. No idea of the longevity of a kicker, but he was our saving grace last year. Uh, Rebecca, if you missed it, the cutoff, right, for non-quarterbacks to be included in this conversation was age 27. Boswell is age 29. So by our guidelines, he's a little too old. Because you can say the same thing about Chris Tucker. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Justin Tucker. <laughs> Chris Tucker, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Uh, Adam, if there's one thing you need to know about... You're rushing this last hour, Euler. If there's one thing you need to know about Moats and I, we get the first name of people wrong all the time. Okay, so what I did right there was very par for the course for Steelers Blitz. Uh, Jason Peters and Marcus Peters, we get them mixed Ugh. up all the time. You know, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of other... I got one that Trav I did. Travis and Jason Kelsey, we get them mixed up. It's, it's very much par for the course what I just did there. You'll get this one, and I won't harp on the WVU thing for too long, but I was talking about Dwayne Haskins, the, the quarterback for the Redskins, and I called him Giovanni Haskins, which <laughs> is a former tight end for West Virginia, <laughs> And Tom and Brian, who do the show with me, they had Giovanni Haskin. Who the hell is that? How do you even go from Dwayne to Giovanni? They had no clue. So this all started last year at OTAs. I did like seven minutes before I realized I was calling Vince Williams and Vance McDonald. Vance Williams and Vince McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what started it all. Like, it, Moats does it too. It's just, yeah. So it, when you finally do, when you start doing that, you're officially one of us. I yes, am. Not Chris Tucker. Uh, not not the actor and comedian of Rush Hour fame. <laughs> Justin Tucker, the kicker. Gavilta fish. Gavilta fish. <laughs> Camel's hump. You got, a, you got any eel? <laughs> Don Juan uh, wants to know how all these people say the Steelers aren't going to be good this season. We went 8-8 eight and eight with Duck and Rudolph last year, and with the new playoff system, uh, the Steelers would have been always in the playoffs these last few years. And, of course, people forget we're getting our Hall of Fame quarterback back. Yeah, I, I think that that's part of the thing, too, when people talk about, eh, I don't know if the Steelers are going to be a playoff team this year. I mean, you realize there's an extra team this year, right? Right. And that the Steelers were in the hunt. All How long, Adam? We Everyone, I think, knows, right, the whole if this seventh team thing was, was implemented, the Steelers would only miss the playoffs like once during yeah. the Roethlisberger tenure. That, in our lifetime as real football fans, you know, so like – I'm going to say about the time that we were age 12, 13, I think when you could really start to get into sports more so than just, yeah, I'm a Steelers. You know, you, you start to get emotionally invested mm -hmm. in the result. The Steelers have had one year since you and I were that age. 12, Adam and I are both 29. All right, uh, peeling back the curtain here. We're both 29. We graduated high school the same year, not the same place. Graduated, from, graduated from WVU together. Um, Adam went to, you know, fancy Mount Lebanon. I went to little old Mars High School up in up there near out Gibbs, of this world up, up there near Gabe Sarnia Gabe Sarnia um now I just totally lost my train of thought because I went on the shiny object RH you were probably going to say the Steelers have only been eliminated the Steelers yes they have played they have only played meaningless week 17 football like once in yeah. our real life I think it was I think it was 03 
Yeah, I think that I think it. that's it. I think it's the only and time. You know what's funny too about that? It, in retrospect, that game wasn't meaningless because if the Steelers won that game in overtime against the Ravens, they probably wouldn't have been able to draft Ben. So the loss there was actually meaningful because it moved them up in the draft, which allowed them to get Ben Roethlisberger. It's like the Lemieux lottery thing, uh, or in the Crosby lottery thing. Yeah, I think, I think people are insane if they don't think the Steelers are talented enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then some of the logic that some of these so-called experts are using just it it defies logic as far as I'm concerned. Like when you hear Adam Shine from the NFL Network say, "Oh, that guy." Dude, he says the Steelers are too focused on off-season trophies now, so they're not going to make the playoffs. And then he says the Browns are going to be better than them. So that logic doesn't hold yeah, up. Yeah, and he said the Browns finally have a real head coach now. That was that was part of his logic, too. Uh, how about Kevin? What has he done, Ski? I mean, because he's done nothing. I mean, as a head coach, get out of here. And then you've got Colin Cowherd, and I know people aren't going to say he's an NFL expert, right? He's just an NFL I'm not talker. saying Adam Shine's an NFL expert either, even no, though he writes but these articles are people, for NFL.com. Yeah, now. but these are opinions that get put out there and then recycled, and people use them whenever they're arguing with you at the bar whenever you're talking about your football teams. Colin Cowherd said that, the Steelers are no longer an elite franchise. And to be an elite franchise, you need to be elite from the top on down. Okay, well, uh, Rooney's, Colbert, Tomlin, Ben, to me sounds pretty elite. And then meanwhile, he has the Broncos making the playoffs when Drew Locke has been a quarterback in the NFL for like five minutes longer than I have. And John Elway hadn't put together a good roster yet, except for the one that won the Super Bowl, but he hadn't been able to find a quarterback since the guy that he bought on the free agent market. So... The logic that people are using to put down the Steelers doesn't hold water with me. You have to kind of build one of those false narratives to pull them down. Because if you just do a purely roster-based analysis, you can't find, for me, a reason to knock the Steelers if you're comparing them to other teams. You compare you you think of any team and compare it against perfection, you're not gonna look all that good. You start comparing teams to other teams, now all of a sudden you realize no, the Steelers are pretty doggone good. Can't Sorry. Be- I can't believe you had to invoke the name of Adam Shine on this sacred ground. My bad. He's everything I dislike about what we do for a living. Just Shine. Just just say outlandish stuff and and you'll move up in the the, the Skip ba- the the Kmart version of Skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. The great value brand Skip Bayless. The Browns. They're gonna win. 10 games and be better than the Steelers. Yeah. This is the the same Steelers guy. aren't making the playoffs because they care when, too much about the offseason. When Steelers fans get upset about Adam Shine, I always remind them that this is the same guy that the day after the Washington Capitals finally won their first Stanley Cup, he did a whole segment of his show uh, talking about how Alex Ovechkin is now better than Sidney Crosby. Because all that it took was, was, one, was one, one ring. Was one ring, and now he's, he's automatically better. Uh, TC says here TJ Watt will basically get a blank check. No, other, no way they're going to let him go anywhere. He gets better every year. One guy I think you're overlooking in terms of the contract stuff is Steven Nelson. Yeah, maybe, but he's still got two years left on his deal. And, and we'll see how that, like Adam said, how that plays out this season with kind of the just crazy nature of the amount of times he was targeted two years ago versus last year. But that is, I mean, Steven Nelson could be part of this contract log jam too as well, certainly. But he's still got two more years as well. Yeah, uh, I think Steven Nelson, if he does it again, then you're going to have a long conversation with him and about him. You're going to need to replace Joe Hayden too. So yeah. uh, he's he's old by you hope Justin by, Lane emerges for one of those two positions. Right. And maybe Cameron Sutton, but his contract's coming up too. So there's conversations that need to be had. Thrash says there's no replacing Mozi, but Adam is a good backup. It's like Charlie Batch stepping in for Ben back in the day. Not much of a drop off. 
Check out the Best of the Crown Man Foundation. <laughs> uh, Patrick says here, uh, almost, and he sends us a screenshot, too, with the receipts. Almost 16% of NFL revenue is from ticket sales. Yes, that's a lot of money, but it's their lowest form of money-making revenue. No reason to push that back just to get fans in the stadium. Agreed. So he, he's, he's with us there. And then last but not least here, the Photoshop extraordinaire, David Dehev, says this question is for the future godfather, Stan Saverin successor, Adam Crowley. Oh, boy. True or false? Wesley's hair would beat the brakes off Bryce Harper's hair in a take-all cage match. The only thing you're missing against Bryce Harper is product. And you're not wearing product because you're just seeing me through a, a video <laughs> screen here. When Euler products this bad boy up, this hair, this salad... We are talking about some legendary Dragon Ball Z Goku level <laughs> stuff. Bryce Harper doesn't hold a can. Bryce Harper shaves the sides. Wesley Euler's growing his hair. I can't believe they can fit you and Moats in the studio at the same time with his biceps and your hair. And that's not even to mention mention how big my ego. I mean, my head's so big. <laughs> my head's so big you can't sit behind me. I mean. Well, that's why I'm not in the studio with you right now because both of our egos, there's no way they'd fit. Buddy, this was fun. It was. Uh, I appreciate you uh, tapping, tapping in, tagging. I don't know. In, Thanks for having in. me. That's what I'm looking for. Tagging That's the most in. Important thing. Uh, from home, Adam Crowley was kind enough. Uh, normally, when he's doing his show prep now, to join me. Uh, so again, Moats will be back tomorrow at noon. Adam, catch him. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with the Crown Man, every day, four to seven on ESPN Pittsburgh. I appreciate your time, buddy. Always fun. No, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor to sit in my bed pretending that I'm in Moats' chair. <laughs> Go Mountaineers. Are we allowed to say that on this rating thing? Probably not. Go, go Mountaineers. Later. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. We'll talk the yins tomorrow. Same time, high noon, and as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.